Mr. Self-Love. That's right. I am bringing Armand Anderson on today. He is known as Mr. Self-Love in the internet space. Facebook, Instagram is really where we connected at. And I've been following him for a few years. And he's one of those people that, while I haven't met him in person, that I am cheering him on from afar. Because I love his message. I love what he's about. And he's one of those steady people that you can count on for showing up and sharing the wisdom and the goodness. And I think that you'll find the same. So I'm excited to bring him here to you. Before we get started in our conversation, I want to share something with you. I want to remind you that in this time of transitioning into a new chapter, we're closing the chapter on 2018 and we're opening the chapter to 2019. But it doesn't matter when you listen to this. You could be closing the chapter on Monday and opening the chapter Tuesday. The truth is that each moment we get to start again. But we have to have the mindfulness and the self-awareness to really choose to start again, to let go of whatever happened yesterday, to let go of what someone said, to let go of what you believe about yourself, to see who you really and truly are. And that being said, I would love to invite you into Harmonia Shift, my newest community, where we have a community of people that are choosing themselves, choosing self-love and choosing to stand in the awareness that they are in the realm of infinite possibilities at any and all time. And when you move from that place, rather than projecting all of the past onto the future and creating more of what already is, it's as if life just opens up for you and miracles unfold. So I can't wait to have you in there. If you have any questions about it, reach out to my team and I. That link is on my Instagram. It's all over my Facebook. You've probably received emails from it from me about that. But if you haven't and you're not on my list to get all my goodies, then be sure to join. Head over to my website. But for now, let's move on and hear from Mr. Self-Love and all of the magic that he has to share with us today. You are now listening to The Harmonious Hustle, where we redefine what it means to be a woman on fire. I'm Nicole Sylvester, best-selling author and success coach for boss babes ready to make bold moves. In this podcast, we'll discuss all things purpose, pleasure, and profits. You should know, I am obsessed with sparking unrealistic upgrades in your life and business. It's my true intention to convince you to say, hell yes, to your wildest dreams. If you and I haven't connected yet, I would love to hear from you. Let's connect on Instagram. And while you're there, be sure to check out my free Money Energetics training series. Scope my page while you're there for other freebies and support. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. All right. So I'm so glad that Armin, Mr. Self-Love himself, someone that I've known online, but I have not yet connected with in real life but I'm so grateful to have him here on the show because I find him really not only interesting, but I feel that your energy online is consistent and very pure, which I love. So you got to tell us a little bit about what you do and how you became Mr. Self-Love because I'm curious. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) You know, what's so fascinating about life is uh, the moment you think you figured everything out, there's another twist and turn. Yeah. It's Part of the reason why I remember I used to have this anxiety of flying and I got to the point where I'm like, you know what, Armand, I'm like, 
you don't know how to fly anyway. So if that was you doing it, it really wouldn't help anybody, including yourself. Yeah. And you've got to let go. And, you know, these twists and turns in life. I mean, I, I grew up an entrepreneur when I was 12. My father left our family uh, when I was 12. My sister was 15. And all of a sudden, I went from being this kid who played video games, you know, and was doing whatever 12-year-olds do. And I had to become man of the house. And so it changed my whole dynamic of my life. Yeah. I really didn't understand at 12 that that was going to happen. Um, but at 12, you know, I had to take things upon myself to be the man and uh, do anything I could to provide, which is, you know, a tough stretch when you're 12. And yeah, <laughs> what is it? You got to be like 16 to have a work permit here. <laughs> I'm a 13 year old. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's 12 is still like kind of a baby in so many ways. Yeah. I remember I, I came home and I'm like, mom, I, I have this friend and he's 50. And she's like, what do you mean? It's concerning. <laughs> you know, but I knew if I found somebody that can, you know, show me what their mistakes were, how they learned from it, I could kind of bridge the gap and save some yeah. time. So where'd you meet your friend that was 50 when you were 12? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, cause that's what I'm kind of curious about. Because if my daughter came up and said, I met this person, like this 50-year-old woman, I'd be like, well, where'd you meet her at? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of wild. Um, Back in the day, you probably remember this, there was something called dial-up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the computers were probably the size of like, you know, if you put five human beings together. Yeah, no, they're big. And I remember being on my computer, I typed in how to make money from home, and this 28-year-old responded to, um, you know, the ad that I put out or something, and he took me to this event. Uh, when I got there, well, I had to convince my mom to let me go, and she did. Uh, let me go. So I went to this event. It was about like uh, 15 minutes from where we lived in Oak Park, California. And I sat down and I had this suit that was way too big on me. And I just tried to look the part. And this guy gets on stage and he says, first thing, he says, we're only born with two fears, the fear of loud noise and the fear of falling. And here I was at 12 with all these fears. And I was like, if this guy's not, you know, blowing smoke, then I could overcome a lot of the things that, you know, society has ingrained in me and, you know, what I believed. Yeah. Um, and then the second guy came and he said, you know, there's a way that you can create a life by design where you can actually do what you love versus work for someone else and end up building someone else's dream. And so that became like the beginning of, you know, learning what personal development was and looking within, which is pretty terrifying when you're 12. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I wish I was invited to that when I was 12 <laughs> or new, but I love how you thought to search that. <laughs> like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, there was like back then there was probably two or three ways that I remember people were making money. It was like eBay selling things on eBay. eBay was brand new and yeah. the other one was doing surveys, but that didn't even sound appealing. So I skipped that one <laughs> and I ended up at this event and you know, that really was one of the first things that had a really profound impact on my life. I love that. I love that. So from there you joined, is that a network marketing company then? Yeah. So it was, it was actually funny because it was a network marketing company that provided legal services. So I was 12 years old. <laughs> is it and, legal zoom? Uh, no, it was uh, something like that. Oh, okay. Now, so now they're called, uh, they're called legal shield now. Mm, mm. And amazing company. Yeah. It's just when, yeah. when you're 12 years old, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's awesome. though. <laughs> So that, that got me into uh, personal development, but 
um, I really didn't understand until about 18 that what we go through in our family dynamics have a profound impact on what happens in our early adulthood. And I had yeah. no idea that, you know, what you grow up in and what you see happen in your family um, that just has such an impact on who you become. Right. And I remember one night, um, it was actually my first relationship. I came home and I said, mom, I think I have a problem. And she's my best friend, Angel. She's one of the most beautiful human beings I ever met in my life. And we have a great relationship, have always had a great relationship. But um, in her culture, she comes from Iran. And a lot of it's, you know, you're perfect and everything's okay and nothing's wrong. And yeah. you kind of save face, especially in front of people. And so I came home one night and I said, you know, I don't think I'm okay. I think there's something wrong with me. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm trying to save my girlfriend from drinking because I don't drink. Mm. And I remember she said, you're perfect. Nothing's wrong with you. And that was the next morning when I woke up, I went to therapy for the first time. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, you took yourself. Yeah, I took myself and it's like really looked down upon in our culture. But I knew that that wasn't true, you know, as, as much as, you know, someone so close to me can tell me that I'm perfect, which I know it comes from a good place, but I knew I was broken inside and what I was doing to this girl, you know, this poor girl, 18, just wanted to party and do what 18 year olds do. And here I was trying to say, Hey, don't drink because I don't drink. Yeah. And I thought that was smart and it was healthy for her. <laughs> right. Right. And I got to a point where I walked into therapy and I started crying and it was uncomfortable. I, I didn't even say hi. I just cried as I walked in, never met the guy. Yeah. And he throws me a tissue box and he starts laughing. So I get even more nervous and he's like, this is exactly why you're here. So I'm like, he kind of has a point. <laughs> yeah. So I sat down on the couch and out of all the books within like 60 seconds of me telling him what I was going through, he had, he must've had like a thousand books on this bookshelf and he takes out the book by Melanie Beattie called codependent no more how mm. to stop controlling others and start caring for yourself you ever, you ever hear it i have heard of the book but i've never read it yeah it, it's um i remember after that session i went to barnes and nobles to buy it and i opened the book and i'm in front of like everyone sitting in the starbucks side of the cafe <laughs> yeah. and i'm just like crying my eyes out everyone's looking at me <laughs> Because the beginning of the book starts about this girl story that's like almost identical to what I went through yeah. with my father and seeing my mom try to save my father uh, from alcohol. And it was just like, wow, so I'm not the only one. Yeah. And I love like the 18-year-old at Starbucks with his friends reading the book on codependency. <laughs> you must have known like you, if I would have, if I see an 18-year-old doing that, I'm like, he's going to, like, he's going to do big things. He's going to do amazing things because that's really powerful. Yeah, I honestly didn't even know what self-reflection was or looking within. I, I always, if I see me, I talk about on social media, um, we're taught to love someone else or to know how to date well uh, or communicate on a first date well or, you know, get married. But they, you know, we're not taught to look within and understand that the fastest way to, you know, happiness and uh, longevity of life and health and prosperity is self-reflecting and right. looking inside of yourself, which a lot of us don't want to do because it's hard. And, you know, yeah. you have to face knowing that you're not perfect and your, you know, your environment as a child had an effect on who you are now, but it doesn't mean that it defines you as a life sentence. Totally. And it's like, we have to, at some point say them, I'm going to take responsibility from 
this point out. So Mr. Self-Love, this whole, like this identity, which I love and I love the things that you share. Would you say that at that 18 year old stage, was that when it was like born or was there some other, were there some other steps that led you into this? No, that's a great question. At 18, um, I was still self-reflecting and after therapy, a few sessions, <laughs> I was like, I got this, right? You get <laughs> yeah. so excited. You're like, oh, I went to six sessions and now I can conquer the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what I found out was that wasn't the case. You know, there's no end process to growth. Right. And you'll never know everything. And, you know, we have to be okay with that because it's just about taking a step forward every day. And so what happened was um, I ended up at 24 dating this girl who I had been friends with for several months and there was really no red flag. But when we started dating, um, I started to notice that she was verbally abusive and then that led to her being physically abusive. And I'm a really calm guy. And so when I saw like hostility, anger, and then when she became physically abusive, because I had still not understood uh, self-worth and self-love, I might even know that term self-love I just love someone else my whole life and so I allowed her to hit me for about a year and Mm. it's kind of crazy you know when I tell the story now um, to people that what can happen when you don't look within and you don't know your worth is that you could be the greatest nicest person never hurt anybody but allow someone to hurt you yeah so tell me this and I, I love that you're on this show and sharing this because you know, I tend to attract women that have a past similar to mine, which is abuse, domestic violence, addiction, things like that. But we don't hear from many men that share their, that they were physically abused. I mean, of course, men are verbally abused and all these things. So was your girlfriend, like, would she like slap you, throw things at you, punch you? Like, what was that like? Yeah, it started off that the fact that she couldn't fathom me being away from her. And the moment that I would separate and, you know, we weren't living together, I'd go home. She would ultimately, you know, kind of freak out. And then it led to her, you know, slapping me and then throwing things at me. And I remember we separated for about two weeks, uh, about a year in. And my, my sister, my mom, you know, it's kind of funny. The closest people to you, they'll want the best for you and tell you sometimes what you need to do, but only you know when it's time. Yeah, totally. And it's crazy because my friends told me I had enough validation at this point to walk away. And she had called me and said, hey, I know we've been separated for two weeks, but I'm coming back to LA and I need a place to stay. And, you know, do you want to get dinner? And naturally, I don't listen to anybody. And I listen to myself and I go. Yeah. (laughs) And that night she had another episode and kind of like a split personality type deal. And we went into her car. And she had lost so much control to where like almost she didn't even know that she was doing what she was doing. Wow. That's the scary thing about, you know, someone who's in that state. And she held the door closed with one arm. I was in the passenger. She was in the driver. And with the other arm, she was hitting me. And it was like a lifetime movie to the point where although she was hitting so hard and she was like my height and my body type in terms of like stature. So it wasn't like a petite woman it was you know she had strength to her yeah and so everything kind of slowed down for me she was yelling screaming hitting and I finally looked at my arm and my arm was bleeding 
and my right arm. And I looked at myself my and gosh. everything, yeah, everything just kind of slowed down for me. And it was the first time I looked within in my life at 24. In that moment, I was like, Armand, this is not about her. I look back a year ago, I'm like, you could have chosen any other woman to be in your life. Um, and you chose her. And now you've allowed her to do this to you. And yes, she has her own challenges in her life. But, you know, you, you asked for this. Right. And so it was a, you know, like, I remember just crying. And even though she was going crazy, I just slowed down. And I was able to get out of her car and drive home, never talk to her again, never saw her again. But that wow. night I had a dream and I struggled to sleep. Uh, but when I fell asleep, I had a dream. And in my dream, this guy said, from what happened tonight, you have now found your self-love and you're going to be Mr. Self-Love. And I woke up in cold sweats, like when you have the flu, it's like the worst feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, and I'm like, what was that message that I just dreamt? And who was that person that just told me, that I'm in a, a Mr. Self-Love, I found my purpose when I still don't even know what self-love is. And I just had the worst night of my life like a few hours ago. Yeah. And so that morning, I'm so confused because, you know, as you know, I've been in network marketing for, you know, 16 years. So that's all I knew. I just mastered that craft and yeah. uh, I had no business doing anything about self-love. And so... I Googled self-love and I'm not sure if you ever Googled it, but on the second line, when I Googled it at the time, it said, um, when you love yourself, you're basically a narcissist mm. and it's selfish. And so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I just had that dream. Right. It was positive, And now I go to Google and it's saying that to love yourself is selfish. So right. that was the beginning of learning, um, you know, what self-love was about. And it was, you know, coming home to yourself. And it was the first time where I said, okay, this is where you really identify who you are and you work on yourself and dating another girl right now is not the answer, right? Yeah. It's naturally in my past insecure self, jealous self, you know, we want to just find the hottest next person to get back at somebody or say that, you know, we did it faster than them. <laughs> yeah, like a Band-Aid. It's like, can I just put this Band-Aid? I would say majority of people are like that. Like, let's yeah. let's find this next thing to fill the void. Like, something's missing now kind of thing. It's definitely what's easier because by doing that, you don't have to face yourself. Mm -hmm. So they're like, hey, why doesn't this person come into my life? And, you know, they, they, can, they can deal with the baggage. There's the voice that was calling you in your dream. <laughs> it's calling <Right>? you back. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's been four years now. <laughs> no, you brought up some good points, though. One thing that I want to just point out for anyone that's listening that's like never been hit by somebody you love or just physically, you know, attacked by someone you love in any way that regardless of someone's size or if you can defend yourself, it's so painful when you identify something as love and you love someone and they are wanting to hurt you. So I just wanted to point that out because someone may be like, Oh, like you pointed out like, well, she was my size, but even if she wasn't, it's so painful. It's such a betrayal. It's such a, there's such a feeling like it's heartbreaking in itself. Right. You nailed it. I think heartbreaking is such a, it's such a great word for what I went through because 
you start to believe that that bad moment is made up for because the next moment is I love you, Armand. Yeah. And then the next moment is a horrible moment. The next moment is an I love you moment. And you start to believe that that's what love is. Right. And uh, that abuse is okay. And, you know, that you don't deserve any better. And it sounds so twisted, but I remember I thought I couldn't live without her. Yeah. Right. Looking back, you start to realize where you can come across in yourself without self-worth and self-love is I remember I'm like, if she leaves me, what am I going to be? Who am I going to be? What, you know, I have nothing. And that's the scarcity mentality that I had because I just didn't know myself and love myself. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that it didn't get worse than that. Yeah. Uh, And I was able to, you know, get back home to myself and process what happened. Yeah. And I think that's the other component is facing what was and knowing you got to look back and say, okay, well, that's not where I am today, but identify why that happened. Yeah. And once you identify something like that, it's like, okay, you know, history doesn't need to repeat itself, but it's going to start from us within. Totally. And it's like our own lovability. I can relate to a lot of the things you're saying, but it's, I love hearing it also from a man because there are men out there that would just never hurt a woman. And then we also feel for the other person going through what they're going through or their, you know, their own anguish or whatever. And then we give them like, we almost rationalize it. Um, So it's just interesting. And I want to share that for anyone. And you never know, there could be someone that's listening, that's going through this in their life. And it, it starts with someone telling you, you can't do something. And then it turns into someone grabbing your wrist or something. And then it becomes more. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're down the path of this, like I've invested so much time in this and they're not going to do it again. And it becomes like this mind fuckery, (laughs) like you can't, you know? And so I love to hear how you came out on the other side and, but it was all perfect because now you get to share these messages and it's not sharing from like reading a bunch of inspirational books. It's from like living in the lab of your own life and like digging yourself up from that. So how did that, like, what was that process where you were like, I'm going to serve other people in this way? When you talk about self-love and self-worth, it's, it relates to everything in life. It, you know, performance as an athlete, it being an artist, musician, you know, taking a leap of faith, uh, surrounding yourself with positive, uplifting, loving people that, you know, support your crazy, wildest dreams. Right. Drinking and, the right water, which you do. Yeah, <laughs> you that's right. All of it. All of it. <laughs> and... I got to a point where, you know, now I don't know what the statistics are about divorce, 75, 80, 85%. California, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And I had no business being here doing what I do now. When some people say, you know, do you have credentials? Did you go to school? You know, are you licensed? All these things that sometimes people say. And I just, I, I place so much value in obviously all the accolades and, you know, certificates and all that stuff's great. But I put a lot of value in what people go through in life because you've experienced it yourself and you found a way to get yourself out of that hole. And I remember my hole was so dark and so deep that when I was able to come out of it and I looked around now to the outside world of how beneficial it can be for someone's life to love themselves and know their worth 
and do what they love in life and enjoy their life. Because it was like Nicole yesterday, I was 18. Now I'm 28. <laughs> yeah. Feels like that sometimes. You know, it just, it goes by so fast that if we're not conscious of, you know, who we are and why we're doing what we're doing and doing it for ourselves. Um, I was just looking at, um, this guy I saw on YouTube came on this ad and he said, one of the things that he teaches his students to do is to post the most blurry photo on Instagram. And I was watching it this morning. I'm like, you know, what is he saying? Why? Yeah. And he goes, the reason is because I want you to post that blurry photo. So, you know, for yourself and also sharing it to the outside world that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to come across perfect to be seen, be validated and, you know, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, even in myself, like Instagram and, you know, sometimes we get caught up in what looks good and, you know, oh, yeah. what's gonna aesthetically look up pleasing and all these things when in reality, to me, as I've gone through my own journey and I let go of who I wanted to be for others and for my family and all these things that we get caught up in to share my story with people of what I went through and, and how I was able to choose betterness over bitterness uh, to get to this point. Yeah. Um, I think that's just so much more powerful than being the, the guy, you know, that made a million dollars overnight and, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> oh, I, I would agree. I mean, it's more sustainable and it's also no amount of money is really going to make us feel fulfilled. And I've learned that the more money I make, <laughs> you know, so I think that it's important because in the world of the internet, that's why I like your energy. When I see you on the internet, you're one of the people I've been following for a few years now is like your energy always comes from a place of helping people see themselves differently. And I know that you're selling something. I know that something's happening there, but it always comes from that place. And that's what I really appreciate about you. No, that, that means a lot to me because, you know, it was literally just a few years ago where everything I was doing was for validation and to be seen. And I thought that was the answer. I thought that was going to make me happy and, you know, being liked by certain people and getting comments by certain people and all these things that I thought was going to equate to happiness. And that wasn't the case. You know, I, I always say I was happy on the outside, dying on the inside. Yeah. And no one would have known, you know, I was driving the car that I always desired and, you know, had what I found out were more acquaintances than friends. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd come home and, you know, my family would see me miserable. And so I had a reality check of, you know, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for other people? Right. And I think a few years ago, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I was so inconsistent with what I was doing because I wasn't doing it for the sake of a changing my life and doing it to help others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had, I've had seasons of catching myself doing that. And then I'm like, wait, get back into your lane, <laughs> get back to where you belong. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so easy to get back to that because of social media and what's out there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just think about myself if I, when I was 24 and looking for guidance and looking for an answer to not repeat that abusive relationship and just be completely broken of, you know, finding a mentor or a coach that has gone through something similar and has mm -hmm. found a way to choose better in life and, you know, know that, you can do anything and be anybody you desire um, and accomplish anything that you really want to accomplish in life. 
by being yourself and that's great enough versus, you know, trying to look at someone on Instagram and, you know, instead of being genuinely happy for their success and who they are, you know, try to become like them and all of a sudden you lose sight of yourself and, you know, your yeah. message because no one has your own message, which is so wild to me that sometimes yeah. we go to the, the lane of trying to be someone else with someone else's message. Yeah. Well, it's so it, I love it. Cause it, I mean, there's such simplicity in it that we almost like don't even recognize it. <laughs> it's like, it's right here. It's us just being us. And that you brought up something good though, going back to when you were Googling self-love and like I Googled self-love now and I think self-love is more becoming more popular and more of a trend. Right. And I'm glad it is. But for what you said about the narcissistic, whatever, I want to bring this up because you and I are both in the online space. We're both talking to people in the online space. You're an entrepreneur. You have a team of other entrepreneurs, right? That work with you. Yeah, correct. Okay. So in this space, there are, there's this conversation online about, well, if you're posting photos of yourself, then you're narcissistic. And it's like, that's BS. <laughs> like I just don't like there's, there's this dance, like you can only love yourself this much. And then people start getting mad at you. What do you think about that? So this is no accident that you brought this up. Okay. <laughs> this morning I had somebody went to my website and sent me a message saying, you know, you're not really caring and thinking about humanity. If you're charging for your time and charging for coaching, uh, you know, said something like white privilege and gentrification mm -hmm. and she just ripped me apart. And I just thought it was so fascinating because for the longest time I had just complete free content and it's just recently that I started, you know, actually coaching and, you know, creating my first course this month, in fact. Oh, sweet. And, and so I thought it was an interesting message because when you put in the work to yourself and just like you, I mean, you've invested thousands upon thousands of dollars, I'm sure, in your personal development and for you to be where you are now, um, yeah. doing all the amazing things that you're doing. And there's so much value in someone having gone through that, invested in themselves and got into this place. And so it's a shame that she took it in the sense that, you know, I don't care about people. And that's why, you know, there's a, a coaching fee, right. Or an hourly fee for coaching. Yeah. And I just read it and I was like, wow, it's, it's unfortunate because I know how much money I've invested in myself by hiring a coach and by going to an event and you know how some people still, no matter how great, you know, you, your heart is and, you know, everything that you pour into people, there's still going to be people that, you know, just quite don't understand because of where they are, maybe the lack of knowledge that they have. And, you know, it's tough. It's always tough. I mean, I wouldn't sit here and say that I smiled reading that message and I thought that yeah. was flattering or nice. <laughs> yeah, no. But as I sat there and, you know, I kind of had that feeling of, oh man, like, you know, sucks that she feels that way. Um, I just, again, go back to, um, that everything that I've gone through in my life, um, to understand myself better and develop myself. And it's an everyday process. You know, we never figure it out completely. Um, that I, I want to give and, yeah. you know, whether it's coaching and, you know, I was in Malibu for the fires and, um, the thousand oak shooting and things like that, but we can't please everybody. I mean, even, you look at the greats like Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King. These people had the biggest backlash, although they were the greatest humanitarians. Yeah. So it's, it's not easy, but going to do something even great that's positive, that's 
helping humanity, there's still going to be people that come out of the woodworks and just completely try to derail you. And I, I go back to people coming from that place of self-hate, a place of self-love. Otherwise that wouldn't, that message probably wouldn't have been sent to me this morning. Yeah. But I also feel like it's almost like a rite of passage for anyone that's in this whole arena. And I want to point this out because, you know, the show Harmonious Hustle, it's geared towards entrepreneurs and learning how to anchor into the harmony first. Right. And self-love is definitely that when we're showing up and saying, I'm giving my life to this, that is something that we don't have to do. Of course, there's a calling on our life and we're doing it. But I think that it's, it feels different. Like I can't walk into Target and say, why aren't you giving this for free if you really care about me eating and having sheets on my bed? I can't say that. But for some reason, when people see us coaching, they see it as us just talking. And I, ha- I did an interview earlier with a, with a friend who's also an embodiment coach. And we were talking about like, this is a sport. I look at, I have to train. I have to be in the right energy. I have to be well so that I can hold the con- space for my clients. So I think it's important just to point out for anyone listening that may be having troubles charging or they're getting emails like you receive that just to like really stand strong in that because just us choosing to like you do a lot of videos I don't know if you do a lot now but I remember seeing your videos you do a lot of posts like that stuff's free and that is all uplifting so I just wanted to point that out because that stuff bugs me (laughs) when people do that it's part of it but it just it just really does yeah it it for sure you know makes me feel a certain way but I remember a couple of years ago, one of my first mentors, he said, there's something called the Pareto principle. It's like known as the three truths. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you set out to do something great, you're going to go, you're going to pass these stages of these three truths. And if you can get to the last truth, then you really know that your why was strong enough to get to that last truth. And I said, what are the truths? And he said, the first truth is you're going to be ridiculed. So that could be family, friends, you know, a couple people that yeah. don't see what you see because you're doing something completely different than the norm. Yeah. And he says, if you can make it past being ridiculed, the second truth is you're going to be violently opposed. Oh and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that doesn't sound good, but what is it? <laughs> and he said, violently opposed means people that you don't know that have no business even commenting to you will say something that's going to completely make you feel horrible. Yeah. But if you can make it past being ridiculed and being violently opposed, then you'll get to the last truth. And I said, you know, Garrett, what's the last truth? And he goes, the last truth is it becomes self-evident to the masses as to why you did what you did. Oh, yeah. I love that. I had that, like, sense of relief. I remember my shoulders dropped, and I'm like, wow. So that means, like, if people see you show up consistently over a long period of time, it becomes evident even to the people that hate you for no reason. Yeah. I got people that I feel like that about, like, it's like, I don't really relate to their message, but I, I give them credit. (laughs) Like I respect them for showing up still, you know? So I can see, I totally see that. (laughs) No, I I agree. I mean, there's there's (laughs) an element about showing up, right. And putting yourself on the line. Yeah. So I, I love that. Um, I love that. I'm going to be sure to tell my producer, like, I love that, that little snippet about the three truths because it's like, if you can just get past that. And I know self-love even comes up so importantly there because I had my first round of really nasty haters and it was devastating because I really live for what I do. So to have people say such things about me and there was like four of them, I mean, I was devastated <laughs> and um, I had to go back to like, why am I doing this? And can I be okay with me 
and honor myself regardless of other people's opinions. And that took like, it was a whole layer of practice that I had to like, it was a rite of passage. <laughs> so It was, it was your oh shift moment. It was, it was one of them. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of clarifying tears. And then I was like, oh no, like your opinion is irrelevant. Let me move on. Yeah. It makes, it makes you think that if someone needs to say something like, I don't know if you saw my, my, my live the other day, it was, so funny on my my video that i posted on instagram it, it was about you know that whatever happens in life is is circumstantial it's not your you know destination your your life sentence you're not stuck yeah. and this this girl wrote a comment she wrote i think the the one thing that you need to fix and and work on is your hair your receding hairline oh my gosh and i remember i just i started laughing so hard because obviously i know it's not about me and whether or not, you know, what you're saying is true. It's just, it was, so, it's so fascinating sometimes when that stuff happens because obviously it had nothing to do with the video and, you know, it was the only comment that was, you know, somewhat negative or had nothing to do with my, my post, but it just, you know, makes me think what is that person going through in their own heart and mind to have to say something like that. Right. Right. And so with my self love now and my self worth, I know it's not about me. And, you know, it's a little easier to, you know, keep going and, and not, you know, look left or right at, at these comments that come here and there from people that I don't know. Yeah. So when, when you work now, besides building your, your business and your team, when you work and coach people, who do you find that you have coming to you the most? Like who, who do you work with and love to work with? So what's interesting is it started out uh, primarily women. And I think what was fascinating and I came to the realization that vulnerability as a man in our society is seen as weakness or femininity. Yeah. I remember when I first said that I'm Mr. Self-Love, I had every comment that you're gay, you know, you're in the closet, you know, all these things that came out of the woodworks because you typically don't see right now many men talking about self-love. Yeah. And so initially it was primarily women and over the last like two months a lot of men have been contacting me saying i love your work and you know my whole life i didn't want to get to know myself until i came across your content so that's been really cool because it just i never saw it over the last two three years that i've been you know creating content and doing this right but a lot of the uh clients that i coach are women typically between 28 and like 55 and it's someone that's either just finished college and doesn't know what they want to do uh, or you know someone that's uh, in a relationship dating married that lost their identity because mm -hmm. they got so infatuated by their partner that they forgot about themselves and now are just going day to day without an identity that's big that's big when you are like right now you're writing a book so what is your book on is it on like tell us a little bit about that because i don't even know yet i know we talked about book writing but we didn't get into the specifics yeah and you know what i have so much respect for you because i remember when you were going through the process of your book and um actually it inspired me i never told you this but oh. seeing what you did inspired me to write my book oh. because it was just fascinating to see your growth and I mean, now everyone that has your book and it's just, you know, I see everything on social media changing so many people's lives. Um, it's a process. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> I think when, when people like pick up the book, 
they they read it and it's just like oh this is awesome but what people don't look into is like what you had to go through from the beginning to the end to still right yeah. what what you're creating with it and it's just it's a process that when i see people like you go from step one to done i have so much respect for it because so much goes into it yeah thank you i didn't know that but it, that makes me happy because also other people inspired me and I really feel that a book does something that a video and a Facebook post and a blog just can't, it can't do. Like, it's such a deep dive. It takes, you can take your, it's like they can take you into their bedroom and keep you next to the bed or whatever they want to do. But it's been really profound to feel like a part of me is just floating around. I've seen my book in people's bathrooms and bedrooms. <laughs> just weird. That's awesome. It's really weird. So, but with you, are you writing a book of like how to, or is it your story and journey? Uh, it's a mix of both. It's, it's my story and journey on the front end. And then it's how to on the back end. Okay. Love that. And the first chapter of the book is, is about the moment that I decided to choose betterness over bitterness when I was 12 mm. And what led me in a certain moment to choose to live a sober life. So I, I've lived a sober life 28 years, um, not tied to any religious reason or anything like that. But I, with what I went through with my father and things like that, uh, I had a moment with myself of, you know, why I ended up choosing betterness when it was a lot easier to choose bitterness. And that kind of begins the entire journey of, you know, my story and then what I was able to learn from it. And then it goes into a how-to. Yeah, is that one of your quotes? I like that better from like betterness instead of bitterness. Yeah, it, it's, it's like your coinable quote. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's it stuck with me, you know, for now I think sixteen years it is, because bitterness is what's easier, right? It's easier to retaliate to someone who said something mean to you. It's it's easier, you know, if someone cheats on you to just want to throw them under the bus because they did something like that. It's, it's easier to not want to get better, but bitterness will never lead to betterness. And so there's a fine distinction, but once we understand that betterness is for our own selves, right? Retaliation doesn't do any good. Or if someone talks negative or starts drama about you and you find out, you know, talking bad about them isn't going to, isn't the solution at the end of the day. Yeah. What do you feel about that? Like I have a like zero gossiping thing. Like it just feels icky. Then I don't trust the people that are gossiping. It's just the whole thing. Like we don't allow that in our space, but what is your, just like, I don't know any wisdom you have around that because I feel like a lot of people connect on the, like when you said that it's easier to choose bitterness. I sometimes I wonder if it is, but it's also that I'm, that people gather in bitterness, you know, like the rally around where we can't rally everyone for betterness sometimes. <laughs> If I had a microphone, I would have done a mic drop for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot easier to go into that space of insecurity, jealousy, drama. And, and in our space, especially, everyone's doing it a certain way. They're doing it in their own way. You know, some people coach one-on-one. -on -one, some people, people, they create courses, they right. They do. They do it differently. And it, doing anything differently in life doesn't mean that someone's doing it wrong. Right. And when I get a message or a phone call about someone doing it a certain way, or did you hear about this person doing it that way? 
everyone has their own journey. And as long as they're happy, that's all that matters. And even if they're trying to copy somebody else or imitate somebody else, you know, that's their own journey to figure out, right, how to be happy within. But to talk about it is so irrelevant. I mean, don't get me wrong. A couple of years ago, that was where I was at. And looking at what everyone was doing and talking about everybody. Um, But, you know, I was miserable myself. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I feel like we all go through our phases with that, but I think it's important to bring up. But it's also just goes back to self-love because like I, it's so painful to hear that people were talking about me or, you know, so I feel like it's just a way of treating others the way we want to be treated. And it just is like an energetic cleanup. Um, So I was just curious of, I don't know if people come to you with that. I have some women that I coach and we all talk about that. Like, you know, just it's one of the energy leaks that we have to kind of clear up. I feel. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, it's so, so easy to, you know, scroll Instagram and then, you know, get into that space and that conversation. Um, but so I always go back to self-love being the cure to self-hate, the beginning of our self-healing and the end of our self-destruction, because what other people are doing is none of our business as much as we want to make it our business. Yeah. We're all figuring it out. And I'm sure you've seen uh, What Women Want with Mel Gibson. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's <laughs> funny that I, I tell you this because I'm not going to watch movies really. But I haven't been to the movie theater in years. <laughs> but I remember seeing on like TBS one night, um, Mel Gibson, all he wants is to get inside this woman's head to get her ideas and to know what women want. Because once he does, then he could be a gentleman and he could steal this woman's idea um, and get promoted and all these different things. And he gets his wish granted. He eventually can hear every thought that everyone oh, that he walks past. Yeah. And he just like regrets that decision. He can't handle it. He's going <laughs> crazy. And he just wants to do anything to backtrack on, you know, having that thought that ended up, you know, becoming a reality where he could hear women and yeah. their thoughts. And I just look at it in my own life of, we don't know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. And, you know, I, I would never want someone to be in my shoes, you know, even now. Yeah. I like, <laughs> like my shoes. My shoes. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to give them up. <laughs> it's my, it's my DNA. It's my own journey. Yeah. Uh, I'm not perfect. You know what I mean? Like all, all these different things. But yeah. um, I think sometimes we tend to go to the direction of wanting to be in someone else's shoes or, look into someone else's shoes versus knowing that like we can stand firm in our own and, and just be us, which is like you said, it's easy to do, but it's easy not to do. Yeah, it, it is. It's challenging. One thing that this brings me into just cause you were talking about on the social media and the gossiping and then like the rallying around bitterness is like, what would you say is one go-to that you can give our listeners for if you are getting caught up in comparison or anything like that? what's what's like a go-to practice you actually you nailed it a few minutes ago when you said stay in your lane yeah because when you know why i give an example of um nicole if you were if you were in a building uh on the 80th story and there was a plank that went to another side of the building um and i told you that if you cross this plank there would be ten thousand dollars waiting for you would you do it and unless you're, you know, so crazy, the answer is probably no, because your life is worth more than 10 grand. Right. 
and you have a daughter and you know you, you have a yeah. life to live yeah but if i change the narrative and i said nicole if instead of on the other side of that building was ten thousand dollars if that building was caught on fire and it was getting at the 70th level and on the other side was your daughter yeah i don't even need to ask you if yeah. you would run i'm like let's figure this thing out <laughs> yeah it's i mean you're not even thinking i'm gonna fall what if I fought you just, you're going to grab your daughter and take her back to the other side. No questions asked. Yeah. And so my point is know why you're doing what you're doing, because just like if you saw your daughter on the other side, nothing else would matter. And you know, a hundred out of a hundred, you're going to go get her and come back and, and save her life. Cause it's your daughter. Your reason why you do what you do has to be that strong. Otherwise, you know, all these other factors are going to get in the way and you'll never actually get to your oasis, which is, you know, the life that you desire. Yeah. And I love that because the truth is like, and I think about this, sometimes we're sold, we are, we're being sold to all the time that follow these people doing it this way because this is the way that works. But if we look at everyone that's, and I've been reflecting on this lately, if we look at everyone that's done something great, they did it their way. Right. And everyone that's looking for certainty and doesn't want to be with themselves and all stuff, they're like, I want the shortcut. And I even have clients that do that. Well, they'll be like, yeah, but I, I just wish there was like a step-by-step -step. life. Isn't a step-by-step -step process. <laughs> it's a, it's a take a step and the next step will be revealed. <laughs> like, <yeah>. Totally. <laughs> so I love that. So wait, going back to the book thing, cause I don't know if you know this, but I have a book group that's kind of running right now. We're like four months into the nine months. So They'll, they'll like this wisdom. What have you learned about yourself since you started writing your book? Wow. <laughs> I tell people that you grow, like you're a different side. You're a different person on the other side of your book. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is like, again, going back to the respect of authors like yourself is there's so much time and dedication and persistence and stickability to not give up because like, you know, little things happen during my process. Like we lost like four chapters because of some, something on the laptop that we oh. had to rewrite, um, you know, editing it over and over again. Um, you know, all these different things uh, that you, you, you endure and you, you go through, but you know what the end result is. Yeah. And for me, it was knowing that, you know, whether you, like you said, someone's in the bathroom reading, Oh, shift. Right. <laughs> oh, shift. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or whether they're in the airport and they grab your book and, you know, they, they read it on their next, you know, to their next destination. Um, while you're living your life, someone has the ability now to, you know, hear your story and have it impact them to a point where it could literally change the course of their life. Like, yeah. You know, and you talk about like books, I don't know, sell from, you know, couple dollars to $30 or whatever, but you know, there's so much wisdom and you know, your, your wisdom, you know, your sweat equity, your time, um, you know, putting a team together to, you know, actually have it come together and people behind the scenes, uh, for it to come to life and, and be as simple as someone just getting a copy. Yeah. But 
<laughs> yeah. And then they read it. They're like, I read your book in two days. I was like, that took me like two years <laughs> yeah. to do that book. <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> it's funny talking about like compare itis is I met a guy uh, before I started writing my book who said he did it in a month. And I was like, wow, okay. So <laughs> like I could shortcut the process. This is great. Yeah. And for me, that wasn't, you know, one month. We, we just finished the last edit this week for the book. And wow. I think I started the book last year, like day one. So it wasn't a month It ended up being a year. And, you know, we still have a few things to, to work on before it gets released this upcoming year. But it taught me a lot about showing up consistently for yourself. And it's not the funnest moments when you're sitting by yourself and you're writing and, you know, you're, you're writing your own story, knowing that, you know, like my family's in my book and they're yeah. still alive and they're going to read it. And people I don't know are going to read it. Yeah. Um, but it all goes back to knowing that there's such depth in our own journey that no one else has gone through and to let people know that, Hey, like, you know, I still don't have it figured out. Yeah. But the one thing I have learned is to continue looking within and every day doing what I know is beneficial for my health, for my peace of mind, for my well being, for my financial health. So I could be happy because what's life without inner happiness. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you're going to miss those days of all that because I miss it. And I think there's like a little twisted part of us that there's <laughs> such like, there's just like, we're birthing something. I mean, I know like I'm a woman, I've had a baby, but like, it's like, I feel like a book is such a birthing process, but it is also a sacred thing. And I can't wait to, for you to have your book out and for people to respond to you and let you know how that time and effort and dedication has now impacted them. When is your book coming out? Do you have a date yet that you can share? No, I wish. So there's no, there's no date right now due to uh, the publishing process. Okay. So I would imagine what they're looking at is October of 2019. Okay. But I'll definitely keep you posted because when it does hit bookshelves and and people's hands, I'm going to call you and say, Nicole, uh, what now? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm in the, I'm out here like doing this with my book. But one thing I've learned about books is that if we treat our book like going back to the person that wrote their book in a month and I know people that say that too but I feel like people write books for different reasons and it sounds like you're writing your book as part of your legacy and some people use their books as business cards so for me I was like I want my book to be able to stand up with all the books that have been on Oprah I want my book to be something that is long longevity and legacy and that kind of book is not written and completed and edited in a month I don't care like it's just not like, you know, what's so interesting. You just brought up an amazing point. I was talking to a company called sounds true out of Colorado, their publishing company. Oh yeah, I know it. And they, their motto is that they do not publish books that won't be still impacting people a decade from now. Yeah. And I just resonated with their message out of every publishing company and things that we've looked at because that's exactly, you know, what my, my mission is, what your mission is, is, yeah. you know, the long, the long game. It's not the short game. Yeah. I love that. Pablo's in the background barking right now. And my daughter's out there supposed to be babysitting Pablo, <laughs> but you know, I think he agrees with us, <laughs> like, he hears us. but no, it is, 
if you think about that, and I mean, I think that there's different reasons to write books, but I know, I, I feel like if anyone has ever has the urge to write a book, I think they should write it. And, you know, that book will be a lot around a lot longer than we are, especially if it's, if it's written well and with that intention of love and serve. So Armin, I know that I've had you for a while now, so I'm going to wrap this up, but just share if there's one thing that you want to leave with the audience, one just wisdom, and I know that they can find you on all of your social and stuff like that after, but what can you leave us with? What I would say from my heart to yours is that this is your beginning. And if you're sitting here listening to this and you've felt over the last few days or weeks or months or years that nothing different can happen, I've been there and I was completely wrong. Something different is always around the corner and you must believe that. And I'm a firm believer that when you come back to yourself and, and you're willing to identify and look within, you understand that self-love will cure your self-hate. And when that happens, you open yourself to, to love and abundance and you release the scarcity. And self-healing will be the end of your self-destruction. So stop looking outside of yourself. Take a moment to look within yourself. Take care of yourself. Spend time with yourself. And from that, I promise you the doors that you've always desired to open will open and they will happen automatically because you did the work in yourself first. I love that. I love that. And we're right now at this new beginning. So ending this podcast episode, you get off this episode. What is that one thing that you can do to align with Armin's message? I challenge you to do that and be sure that you go ahead and let us know what you loved about this episode and whatever you share, just be sure to tag Armin, myself. We love to hear from you. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. And there you have it, my friends. I want to know, what's your favorite takeaway from today's show? I love when you share your highlights from the show. Be sure to tag me when you share so I can give you a proper shout out. If you haven't already, subscribe. And while you're there, rate and review because your feedback, it really means the world to me. Until next time, remember to harmonize your hustle.